everybody. We are here live at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral for a Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar. Got some folks in here today. I got uh, my daughter Evie's come okay. with us. She's very fashionable this evening and uh, Lot, lots of makeup on her for some reason. She she discovered makeup, I guess, and has she's uh, pink. Yeah, Exploring very pink. Barbie core. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. She must have seen the Barbie movie recently because she's definitely doll up. We've just one. got the Barbie lip sync. <laughs> that was so fun. So I'm having a delicious tangerine wheat beer here. And I am shaking it up with a Mountain Dew because I actually need a little bit more caffeine. I'm slightly doing tired. the dew. <laughs> well, I just I had uh, I, you know, earlier this afternoon I went to the gym and worked on the back, and so I'm sore and I'm tired. So I wanted to make sure I had some caffeine. Nice, nice. I was uh, doing the, the, the mom getting ready thing on Sunday. Yeah. So it was like cleaning up the house, well, laundry. back on in session now, right? Yep. And, and hitting the Walmart for the meal plans for the week. So oh, yep, you got to plan all that. Of oh, course. Yeah. Oh, I remember that as a kid. Yeah. Uh, of, of course, you know, having all that squared away. So, yeah. Um, you know, because what I did uh, recently is joined one of those uh, produce kind of clubs where you get like boxes of produce oh yeah nice. so trying to eat the veggies and get local and whatever so uh which, uh, which one is that which one do you use? I, i've been with southwest florida produce i've been getting i'll have to look into boxes that for them I actually there's a farmer's market here in cape coral oh, yeah. right behind ollie's actually um on saturday mornings Saturday mornings, and the that's run by the Chamber of Commerce. There's actually mm -hmm. three that they do. They do one on Marcola Markets on Thursdays, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. And then do one at Surfside on Tuesday. So you have three that are run by the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. And it's great. If you actually have uh, food stamp benefits, one of the things they do yep. is if you um, – they have a card machine where they will uh, transfer the food stamp benefits. You can put in like $20, $25, and they give you tokens to spend. And they also oh. give you what they do, even more importantly, though, which which I loved when I at the time was on food stamps, is they give you a one to one identical green token that can be used specifically for produce yeah. and fruits, vegetables, eggs. So you couldn't get like, for example, there is a challah, uh, a bakery and I would usually get challah there or um, or like some of the some of the hot foods. I wouldn't be able to use the green tokens on those, but I can mm -hmm. get, you know, my um lettuce and any of the fruits and vegetables and actually some of the eggs that I would need to get as well. Um, mm -hmm. I was able to get with those green tokens. And so that's an added bonus. So it makes sure you can stretch your food stamp dollar out if you're one of those individuals here in Cape Coral that yeah. that is uh, on SNAP benefits. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, helping small businesses. So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, all these people that are local farmers, one of the um, uh, vendors that sells honey, the bees that produce the honey it's here in fort myers off of cleveland which i thought was pretty cool very cool but they're all across you know if they're not local they're within within uh hop skip and a jump from us you know plant city um right in florida basically yeah i love those small businesses and so that's what so but the thing is is so i got like this big box of produce right yeah, okay. and so it's like if i don't eat it all like yep. i have to plan it so it's like i got like a cabbage like what am i gonna do with the plant the cabbage right and yep. it's like oh i got this other thing but it's great so anyway so that's why i like had all my meals planned out well it's good it's healthier to eat that way it I, is I honestly am very way. very uh what's the term um, impulsive when I eat. I just eat when I want to eat, and uh, I have that Uber One uh, uh, subscription, and so I just get discounted Uber Eats whenever I'm nice. hungry. It's like I'm craving a sandwich. I've been trying to do more like Smoothie King and stuff like that to try to um, be try to be more healthier. Mm. But you know, it's you know that mixed in with like sandwiches from Lenny's or like a pizza. Nice. Or I also know? hit the Asian supermarket and cool, you, you know yeah. like i lived in asia for eight years so i uh like filled up a cart at the asian supermarket <laughs> like all these things so like me and the kids tonight were doing diy sushi which is like Ooh. it's like deconstructed sushi so the kids can like make their own so if they you know because if i make it a roll then somebody doesn't like something so they yeah. can make their own we get some nice fresh rice and um yeah have a good time soba my kids love soba they're so picky but they'll eat japanese food What's because soba? Soba is buckwheat noodles, so they're like long and they cook really quick. Okay, actually, I'm sure I fiber. I like salt them. Yeah, <laughs> you probably they're brown. They're like a brown grayish noodle. Okay, style noodle. Okay, I think but I know what you're. It, it, the about. kids like to eat that. They put the soy sauce on it. And, <laughs> so, 
Anyway, that's interesting. So that's what I was doing this way. Planning. Well, that's the the thrills of a parent. I don't have oh, that honor know. as of yet. Uh, to my knowledge, I do not have any kids, as I like to say. Um, Fantastic. But, <laughs> but you never know these days. Oh my goodness. All right. So we're going to be jumping into some of the politics. Oh, by the way, obviously, I'm Sean Hartman, the Republican. Got to introduce ourselves. I mean, I hope you guys know us by now. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about um, some of the issues this week. And uh, one of them, of course, is the <laughs> If anyone follows me on Facebook, you know how I'm tired, how much I'm tired of this. This is like, we have to talk about this every single week. But I think this is the last one, so I think we're good for a while. But the point, I think this one is actually a little bit, um, what was the word, uh, more interesting, I guess you could say. Um, it's different than the others because all the other ones are federal indictments, and this is a state indictment. So this is one well, that there's also state indictments in New York. Oh, you're right. Yes, New York does have a state having to do with the fraud and has nonprofit. That's a good point too. But, but that this one is another state one. This another state Georgia. one. So in theory, a president wouldn't be able to pardon it. So oh, either true. him or if Vivek Ramaswamy, who's pledged to uh, pardon President Trump, he couldn't pardon him for the Georgia charges or in this case the New York charges. But what's interesting is is that Governor Brian Kemp would in theory be the one able to pardon him. And it's it, it's it makes me laugh because of all the attacks he's been doing on Brian Kemp and whether or not he would actually pardon Trump in a theoretical situation in which he would be charged, you know, with a crime. Yeah. I actually still think he would, though. <laughs> I still think he would, though, because there's rumors he's wanting to run for Senate in 2026, and that would appease all the Trump supporters who are mad at him for, you know, not you yeah, know, accepting the results of the Georgia election. To win. He did not. That's true. He did not. Need them, but that's because David Perdue was a crap candidate as well. He was running, but it wasn't just that. I mean, he was running against Stacey Abrams, mm -hmm. the most recent gubernatorial election. Yeah. And it didn't matter that he went toe to toe with Trump. So, I mean, but yeah, so this is different um, because it's state level. Uh, you know, in our country, actually, the states are the administrators of our elections, both federal, state and local yes, elections. Exactly. Um, so it does have to do with the big election lie. It has to do with mm. specifically his actions in Georgia related to the intimidation of one of the elections workers, yep. the perfect phone call. <laughs> Um, to, well, how many thousand yeah, votes Brad Raffensperger. Um, and then interestingly enough, it was Rico, which is the racketeering yeah. one usually designed to take down uh, organized crime <laughs> that included 19 or 18 so other people. So finally, the metaphors of him being a mob boss just tie in with this racketeering. It's like nice little bow on the, on right. the Trump as a mafia don. But Well, yeah, I mean, he just... You know, and, and Rudy Giuliani being part of that. Rudy having <laughs> gotten his notor notoriety from trying RICO cases against the yeah. Italian mafia in New York, which was, only, <laughs> which was only then replaced by the oligarchic-backed Russian mafia, which has now got deep ties with Trump <laughs> <laughs> and his properties in various parts of the country so good yeah times. no yeah no so, so yes once again another indictment i'm just i like i've said before i'm so tired of it all um i'm i'm more interested and this is the same with the the hunter biden stuff and the joe biden stuff and that's the other thing that's interesting about mm. this we are in a an election where there are special counsels mm. investigating the two leading candidates for president of both political parties no there's one investigating the son Okay. Well, of a president, okay, and then there's point. one investigating the Republican. That's candidate. a fair point. That okay, fair, fair point. But the point is, it's a very unique situation to be in with these special counsel investigations and the intertwining of essentially the political and electoral process and the judicial process. Yeah. And we're definitely seeing this with the with trying to schedule the Trump um, hearings. And I heard that I guess Trump wanted to try to push it all the way to 2026. One mm -hmm. of them, I think, the Jack Smith one. Um, wanted to push that to 2026, which is ridiculous. And I still think this, these, all of these, I would want them to be taken care of before 2024. But Trump doesn't want that because he wants to delay. I mean, 
And Fani Willis has recommended that the trial for the Georgia cases goes um, on March 4th. March 2024. Yep. So all of these, yeah, they're all, they're all going to be, there's one in January. There's one in March. I heard one in April. There's two in March. Two in March. Okay. There's two in March then. But again, it's like, you're, you're, you know, you're just, you're taking them away from the primary season. Um, Obviously, so that's why maybe I think, don't be a criminal. Maybe and that's why like, I'm saying that it would be. I feel like as we discussed last week, even yeah. legal scholars, as part of the Federalist Society, had said that because of his involvement mm-hmm. in these criminal activities, including an insurrection against the United States, he has violated the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three, and should not <laughs> be allowed to run for president. And I would agree with that if it ends up if he ends up getting convicted of that. For sure. It's my understanding is, that the conviction is that, not necessary. That's what the Federalist Papers I get that that's so. what the Federalist Papers say that, but I don't see how you can you can impede or you know prevent someone, deprive someone of their rights of due process and their right to run for office and be politically involved if there's just an accusation and not a conviction. So that's mm-hmm. my I would disagree if the Federalist Papers say if Federalist Society, not Federalist Papers, but the Federalist Society, if they are saying that that um, his involvement alone without a conviction of any crime or any illegal activity or insurrection or whatnot, not if that alone, an accusation is um, enough to prevent him from running for office, I vehemently disagree with it. I would need a conviction. And again, we discussed this also a few weeks ago, how I would support a rule with the RNC mm-hmm. um, to prevent any uh, con- convicted criminals from being the Republican nominee. Mm-hmm. Because again, we have to take the moral high ground on this issue. We're supposed to be the party of law and order. We're supposed to be the, the party of moral goodness and this is something that we should take a stand on that if you're a convicted criminal you shouldn't be the nominee of the republican party not the party of thuggery and organized crime we should not be the party of thuggery and organized crime i think i think i can definitely agree with that statement <laughs> well fantastic best of luck to all of you in these uh, as these these uh trials go on we do mm. know that this week uh funny day willis has said to all of the 19 folks in that RICO case that they need to be turned into the Fulton County Sheriff's Office by this Friday, August 25th. Mm -hmm. And she had noted that they are open 24-7 so that they can turn themselves in any time between now and then. Yeah, and I do think that uh, the Trump campaign and the Trump team are negotiating what they're going to do there. But it is, again, likely we're going to get a a decent mugshot out of this because that is common in these type of situations which you know does not look good for any presidential candidate running for office so you'd think so but you think uh, so yes that's true that's a good point you know trump supporters and i don't know if you saw with uh ron DeSantis. um i don't remember the exact words he said but was going around about how you know we need to start being a party based on principles and not following whatever being like listless voters you know, going around and following whatever true social has to say. And a lot of people are pissed at him and, and <laughs> comparing it to the basket of deplorables comment. I do That's agree right. with him. You know, we need to put, you know, truth and principles over personalities. And, uh, you know, regardless of your position on Trump, he's not like a god. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot, there is a bit of a cold of personality with them within some Republican circles. Yeah. And it's it's concerning to me. And that's not that, to say that that's not me trying to bash Trump or anything like that. But I'm I, that attitude, that mentality of, of he's perfect and I believe everything he says is insane. And it's the type of stuff you've seen in like Nazi Germany mm-hmm. and the rise of fascist governments in World War II, where they they put there's a supremacy of the leader, a supremacy of the head. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's very much like North Korea. Oh, yeah, very, yeah. Oh, well, I wouldn't say we're at, at the North Korean extremes yet, as of yet. No, there's a lot. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they'll paint pictures. Yeah, you got some Doing something, you know, he's like, we, have a, we actually have one really of those. Long. We have a similar portrait or something like that. It says Rambo and like, you know, on the top of a tank and, you know, the one where there's like one with him and Jesus, it's like, <laughs> it's the same type of 
shit. It's a cult of personality. And they're, they're, yes, I, and, and I, think that, I don't think that's every Trump supporter, to be clear. But I do think there's this action where, where you know, we talked about it. I go shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and they'd still support him. And um, again, not all Trump supporters, but definitely a, a decent faction of them. So that's uh, speaking of, you know, that faction and everything. Um, we'll see you this week. Yeah, we'll see this week how that works. We'll we have this this the debate. Yeah, but ahead of the presidential debate, a debate, and ahead of uh, all of the people in the indictment uh, having to turn themselves into the Fulton County Sheriff, there uh, Trump is doing a press conference with a supposed hundred-page document that is supposed to uh, completely exonerate him. So we'll be looking forward to that. Monday, you said. Yeah, tomorrow. Oh. I did not know that, but I will. I will. But the be debate on. is Tuesday. The debate is Wednesday. The debate is Wednesday. Wednesday. So some and folks then, are thinking that this is a way for Trump to take the wind out of the sails of the folks at the debate. Well, there's that, and well, uh, that's probably the case too. And of course, he's counterprogramming with Tucker Carlson. So I actually think because the reporting is is that Trump decided he's not going to debate, but Trump also never signed the loyalty pledge, which right. was a requirement to do the debate. Right. So I think what had happened is most likely he might have been in contact with Rana with this or not, but he basically said, "I'm going to say I'm not going to go, even though you technically wouldn't be inviting me because I'm not signing this loyalty pledge." So it allows him to say he made the decision to do right. it. You know, like how how someone like who gets broken up with says that they're the one who broke up with them. It's not the case. It actually turns out, even if he did want to go because of that loyalty pledge and those requirements, he would not have been allowed on the debate stage, which would have created an entirely different issue. Um, or Ronald McDonald would have just folded and let him on. Let him on. Fascinating. But that's the first part. But now we, we still have eight people because Francis Suarez bribed enough people with $20 gift cards to get on the debate stage. Wonderful. So, and I missed the cutoff. So I, I, I had clicked the link and I just left it there and I never, I never gave him the donation. And then he qualified and it was done. I was like, no, that's an important lesson to everyone on procrastination. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. I missed no Doug Burgum's too. <laughs> yeah. Bribe me, baby. <laughs> yeah, Doug Burgum was doing, Doug Burgum was doing, doing it too. Day. I got a free book from Perry Johnson, though. That was that was his little thing. It was his Two Cents to Save America book. That was when I, when he was doing the very early on. Um, but I had actually, so I donated to a dollar to most of the candidates, even before any of them did their, their spiel, um, because I believe that, you know, I wanted to see a good debate stage. I wanted to see a good debate of policy. And I actually talked to someone at church the other day who's a member of our, our Republican Party, our, our REC, and we were talking about how, okay, Trump's not going to be at the debate stage. What's that going to mean? And she was like, well, this is probably going to be good because we're going to actually have discussions of policy. Like Trump is a, is a vacuum that sucks everything out of the room. Like you're actually going to be able to understand like where these people stand on the issues and you're going to have more of a traditional debate, which I'm excited for. And I, I really want to see. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it sounds great, except for... Trump has got like 60% of the primary vote. So yeah, true. this so is far. like, an, you know, uh, a big nothing burger. It's a big nothing burger. Yeah, yeah it it's does like seem it does, exercise of futility is it where really my mind does, was going. But yeah, it really does seem like with his poll numbers right now that he's he's going to be the nominee. Um, yeah, again, anything can happen in these races, but I mean, he's he's basically on 50% or higher mm-hmm. and like. No one's even coming close. Even the people who are like getting into second place, they're all like basically vying for a second place mm-hmm. in hopes of being the anti-Trump candidate. But look at where that where that went in 2016. It did not work. Um, which well, is they, against, you know, there's also the theory that they're being trying to get into second place in to get case. the VP position. VP position because it's if Trump gets locked up. Oh, that's a good they, point. Yeah, run, that's the other part of it I hear too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That makes sense. But then the question is, if he gets locked up and we're already like halfway through primary season, you know what happens to that? Basically, opens up the delegates. It becomes a convention fight. So yeah, yeah. that could that could ooh ooh yes. wow That'll oh, be fun. that like, would be that's literally what's gonna happen, Sean. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. Holy crap! Yeah. And then there'll be people that, like such, you said, that, that yeah. you know, let's put together a law that says, oh, somebody is convicted, they can't run. Or there'll be people who will be throwing the 14th Amendment out there. 
yeah, this is we're gonna. It's you're, you're, I did not even think about that. You're absolutely right. And I am a, a student of history and I am familiar with how some of these historical conventions, yep. when it's gotten to the convention floor, pre, I mean, pre primary, most of them were just all of them were decided by conventions anyway and delegates. Yeah, there's yeah. no rule. And I don't know in the Republican National Convention anymore, but I think that the convention can, still has the power to nominate their delegates right so they get to determine who's going to be their nominee for president mm. they don't necessarily have to follow the primary process yeah well what, what it is 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 when you it's kind of like the electoral college when you vote in a primary or a caucus you're not voting for the candidate you're voting for that candidate's pledge sl slate of delegates mm -hmm. and right. so in theory you know then that pledge slate of delegates can be released by the candidate and i think individual states have different rules on that mm -hmm. um their state parties their state parties have different rules on that on mm -hmm. whether or not they can be released or have a little bit of independence but essentially what you're voting for is is not the candidate itself but the delegates and that's why when i usually vote for president i actually look more at the policies because when you vote for the the delegates for that candidate, you're basically voting for the party platform, what the positions are going to be of the party mm -hmm. as well. So that's something that I always keep in mind when I'm voting for the Republican nominee is what direction do I want my party to go? What policies do I want my party to focus on? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, is this person electable? Or even if this person would, would, would be presidential. Um, most of them, I would try to pick someone who's presidential though. But... <laughs> Anyway, so it'll be really fun next July, right? <laughs> July is when the Republican National Convention is. Is it? I guess I see July it. or August. I think it's July, next summer. Yeah. Um, it'll be very fascinating to see how that goes. We'll <laughs> see how things go this week because, yeah, we do have Trump's, yep. uh, which I'm sure is going to be just an endlessly fascinating and informative <laughs> presentation on why he should not be convicted. Mm. And then we have the Republican debates, and then we'll have. Uh, I don't know what should we call it, like Rico Palooza on Friday. <laughs> so Assuming it's interesting to see how like some of these other people, how Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani are gonna <laughs> are gonna show up to this. I, you know, I want to know what is it, the like thirty-one other unnamed oh. uh, collaborators. That'll be a fascinating group. And fun time on CNN for sure. <laughs> okay, because of Georgia state law, there's actually the ability to have cameras in the courtroom. Unlike in federal cases. Yeah, which I honestly think there should be cameras in the courtroom. I think that's important for transparency. I don't know why there isn't, but um, whatever. To avoid it being a media circus, uh, I suppose. Makes sense. But again, your freedom of speech, your freedom of the press. I don't even think it. I, I, I it just, in. Press can report on it. But they can't record. They can't record it. I, I still question the constitutionality of that, but whatever. Anyway, um, but it's going to be an interesting debate. I don't know if you, of course, saw the, the DeSantis Super PAC talking points that they're trying to advise Ron on. Did you see those? I did. <laughs> I had my candidates emailing me saying, thank you for not putting our private strategy up in <laughs> Yeah, so well, let's let's be clear as to why that is, though, because obviously super PACs can't coordinate with the candidates. But you know, well, let's say you're a super PAC and you want to advise your candidate. The only way you can do that is by putting it up on a public post and hope your candidate reads it and takes the advice. So that's really what they were doing is they were trying to advise him on what they think he should do, which is basically defend Trump, which is. Weird because he's been going after Trump and now he's going to pivot to defending Trump again. It kind of doesn't see it. It, it kind of doesn't reflect his never back down attitude. I don't mm. think it would be wise of him to back down from Donald Trump now that he is actually going on the offensive against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to double down if he's really going to do that. And then he's, they're telling him to attack Vivek, which is That's his nearest opponent. His nearest opponent. Just go after Vivek. And I mean, like. I'm sure there's something he can go after, but it's going to seem cheap and childish, I think, if he goes goes after Vivek. I think the fact that he wants to make it impossible for 18 to 24-year-olds to vote. That, that, was really what, that was really what turned me off of him. There's so much of a Vivek yeah. that I like. I really do. But the fact that he wants to raise, raise the voting age, I'm actually a big proponent of um, possibly lowering the voting age. What I would like to see is something of some sort of civics test or like a citizenship test that 16 to 17 year olds can take and if they pass it then they can vote 
or something like that. Like some sort of. Well, like that's what he's proposing, though. In in the. Well, he's proposed something. He hasn't proposed that to vote. He's proposed yeah, that for the eighteen to twenty-four year olds. Okay. But, oh, the, then the I don't think. Agenda. Yeah. See that there, I don't think that that should be allowed. Um, but I think that 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 should be applied to sixteen and seventeen year olds because I think that they should have the right to vote and the voting age should be lowered, which is a radical position, especially for a Republican to take. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, the young people are the people who are going to have are be most affected by political decisions both now and in the future. Sure. So I think that more young people should have the opportunity to vote for the future that's basically being determined for them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So what other so other than that debate? Rico Palooza. Rico Palooza, the debate. I don't really know. How about climate change? Climate change. Well, we both. I think we both are. are it's hot. It is hot. It's been. It's been so hot. Hurricane Hillary. Oh yes, that's right. We have to talk. How about wild is that? We should be talking about Hurricane. I just love that it's called Hurricane Hillary. My just thought it is this shut came out like the right of the. Of course, time. Hillary Clinton. Hurricane Hillary Clinton attacking liberal California. Yes. Well, Hillary, Hurricane Hillary coming when Donald Trump is indicted. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. even better. Yeah. No, and I actually, so I work, I work at a call center and uh, one of the um, customers that I was speaking to was out in California and they mm -hmm. were preparing for the hurricane. And obviously being a Florida resident and being familiar with how all that works, I uh, gave her a lot of advice, which was essentially, you know, get to high ground and get your vehicles to high ground. Mm -hmm. Um, Los Angeles and California is used to flash flooding, but they're not used to hurricanes. Um, so obviously this is going to be, I think it's going to be very similar to, um, like what with Superstorm Sandy with New York mm -hmm. and New Jersey, they weren't prepared for that because they weren't familiar with hurricanes like people mm -hmm. in Florida and the, the storm surge. Yeah, the storm surges and everything. So I think you're going to have a similar situation with Los Angeles. The good news is, is it is now a tropical storm. Right. That was the, the most recent news. Um, but yeah, obviously climate change, um, this is something that a lot of young conservatives actually do agree with, uh, Democrats on is that climate change is a real occurrence, mm -hmm. um, scientifically proven. Mm -hmm. Um, and the real question and something I've, I've been discussing with my mom, cause she's very concerned about it is I really want to th think we need to look at how do we reverse climate change? And mm -hmm. I, and as a put, cause obviously we're at a point now where, you know, it's, a, it's almost a point of no return. You know, we can't mm -hmm. really, you, you know, a, talking about like st stopping it or reducing our carbon emissions. The reason that's difficult is because we are a consuming culture. You know, mm -hmm. you really want to stop all this, you know, pollution and, and consuming of, of um, oil and natural gases and all this type of polluting stuff. Then we're basically going to have to like shut down power for probably like a year or more yeah. and basically go into the dark age. No that's one wants to do. There is no proposal on the table. That I know there's not, like but that. what I'm saying is, and actually, this is actually what the Paris climate agreements were about. It was about reducing greenhouse gases into the environment through policy changes. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be less consumption, although less individual consumption is a component of it. Mm. There are so many things that you can do with policy yeah. in terms of subsidizing clean energy and mm. making requirements for new and updated technology in yeah. plants and making power producers switch to clean energy. There are so many things. If you look at what Japan has done over the past mm. 30 years, they're a fantastic example yeah. of that. There's also nuclear power, which is always debatable as well. I know Byron Donalds is, is pushing that as well. I'm not the biggest proponent of it, I'm going to be honest, because I, I am still very afraid of a potential nuclear disaster. I personally would not live near a nuclear power plant, but that's always right. been proposed as a problem. So yeah. nuclear power, power has been noted for a very long time as a, as a source of clean energy. A lot of people in the environmental realm are very concerned about it, obviously, because of the very long half-life that the nuclear mm -hmm. waste has. I mean, you're talking thousand years yeah. and more. And what, how are we ever going to be good stewards of that is yeah. part of the question. However, overall, it is cleaner. It has less residue and waste and less local impact yeah. than coal plants or combustion engines. For and instance. they do absolutely start transitioning into alternative energy solar power wind power that type of stuff something that yeah obviously our party is not always supportive of but it's definitely a direction where i would want us to go 
Yeah. I mean, we have so many problems right now. You think about the Maui fires uh, that destroyed Lahaina. Well, apparently, I don't know if you heard it, but it was a giant laser from the World Economic Forum. <laughs> there is apparently that rumor that I've seen in right-wing circles the that there is a giant <laughs> At least it's not a Jewish space laser. Oh, my God. <laughs> it hurts sometimes. Um <laughs> They're wildfires. They're all over Canada right now, too. <laughs> all over parts of Canada, yeah. California. We get wildfires every year. However, what we've been noticing is that there's a heck of a lot more because there's drought. Mm -hmm. Part of climate change is also shifting the weather patterns yeah. into places and patterns that we had never seen. We're seeing that here yeah. in Southwest Florida. Used to be during the rainy season, 4 to 5 p.m. rain on the dot so it could set your clock to it this year has been totally off kilter. um you're getting you know california has been under drought for several years and and then they're getting i won't remember the last time they've had a hurricane i usually only see hurricanes in the atlantic yeah. so when does that actually happen yeah, not no and again and if you're living there. here in florida we're we're you know we're walking in the summer in 90 to 100 degree weather like i get i get like burning if i'm going out to walk down the street in like five minutes i'm like drenched in sweat so i mean it's not even just like oh weather and patterns and weather phenomena no. it's you're feeling it you know as you're going outside as you're walking as you're, it's connected and yeah. it's connected you know something happens here and that shifts mm -hmm. over here you're talking about combination with el, el, el nino uh el nino as well yeah. um which is a natural phenomena of heating through the gulf uh, but that it's caused the waters also in conjunction with the heating of the waters and the melting of the ice caps and the change of the uh the current in there as well has all made it very, very hot. We currently have five different storms that we're looking at six, I'm sorry, six different areas of concern that the National Weather Center is looking oh. at. Um, coming one coming off Africa, two coming a little bit further off of it, one down by South America, one that is going to basically turn up and and just absolutely obliterate uh, Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and one that's kind of hanging out over Texas and may or may not actually form. Mm. And you know, that's part of the El Nino, but it's also part of the superheated waters that we're yeah. seeing. And we don't know. There's so many things that the climate science, especially people who study hurricanes, are seeing. And they're they're going, well, we don't even know how to predict because the confluence of so many changes makes it really difficult to predict. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not a climate scientist, so I don't and I'm not in any form of scientist. I'm actually very bad at like the natural sciences in general. Um, but as Again, you know, I think there's no denying the the effects of anthropogenic global warming. Uh, I think the disagreement, of course, when it comes to Democrats versus Republicans, or what the disagreement really should be is, is how much of it is government involvement and how much of it is private sector. I do believe you're going to, at the very least, need a partnership of both. Absolutely. Um, because you can't, you know, government can't do it on its own and, and private sector can't do it on its own. And we have to be realistic, too, because I think a lot of the concerns that Republicans have about, you know, this transition into uh, clean energy is the affordability for consumers. You know, they don't give a shit about that. Let's be clear. They care that their donors are big oil. Byron Donalds doesn't give a shit if I can put gas in my car. Come on. <laughs> he doesn't. But I think he cares that Chevron and Exxon are giving him money. And they tell him, talk about how expensive it is going to be for the regular guy. Well, That's it is gonna, but it is going to be expensive. But they don't care about how expensive anything is for anybody else. Why would they care suddenly about this? Well, if uh -huh. regardless of what well, even look, even even he went like this. So he's even he knows. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, no, look, it's, it's well, a line. I, I mean, it's look, a line we, to look. get people who would ordinarily be on board with it to think twice about it. But then it, it but it doesn't make it false. That's the problem though. Is But it, actually it is false. You know, it doesn't really matter. First of all, it doesn't affect us here at all how much natural gas has because our homes aren't heated by it. Good point. Um, and second of all, oil does matter, but we're not even – we're producing oil. The United States has mm. been for a very long time uh, since Obama a net producer of oil mm. and a net producer and exporter of natural gas. So the, 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 the idea that, oh, we need energy security and blah, blah, blah is, is mm. happened. We've done that. And the prices have to do with cartels and production. Yeah. And guess what else disrupt that? 
hurricanes, okay? <laughs> so when we have other components yes. of climate change, they can negatively affect the pricing and the availability of oil. That makes sense as well. But yes, uh, so but, like, that was the other aspect of the concern of Republic, or the, at least the stated concern of Republicans. And I would say it is my concern that if we're going to transition into clean energy, we have to make sure we don't, it doesn't become too expensive for average Americans. And I think that's fair to ask for. I mean, I think it's it's all a matter of how you do it because yeah, there's exactly. also subsidies for transitioning <laughs> to solar power. But guess guess why you can't have your house powered by solar power? Why can't I? Because FPL will not allow you to do that. Oh yeah, no. This- they have a monopoly on energy along with Duke and all these other folks who provide energy mm. in the state. And so you can't put solar panels on your house. You have to take solar panels on your house, sell it to them, and they sell it back to you at a reduced rate. That is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because guess what? If everybody in Florida puts solar panels on their home, they would be irrelevant and they wouldn't be making money. Exactly. Yeah. So and, that's and guess it. who else look, funds Byron Donalds? Uh, the utility companies, I'm assuming. Yes, of both course. FPL and but, Duke. And by the way, FPL was involved in the fake uh, candidate scheme a few uh, years yes. ago that that's was right. actually resulted in JRR, one of the leading climate um, change activists and climate action activists in the Florida legislature. Uh, they put up a candidate with his exact name and who was not actually a politician, was not actually running, but mm. confused voters. And he lost by a very small margin. And there have been reports that have linked them back. It was yeah. a political research that had put it back to FPL funded candidates. Well, I, I, I will agree with you that the, these utility companies have way too much power in our state. Like even compared to like Big Sugar, you can't even go after. I mean, you could have candidates who go after Big Sugar, but very few, at least on the Republican side, will go after the utility companies. Sure. And that's a huge problem because again, they're monopoly on this. Have monopoly on this. And again, they're the ones you know raising everyone's rates and doing mm-hmm. all of these things, um, at least with us. I mean, I have LCEC, so we elect our board of directors. And I brought this up when we had LCEC at one of our Republican clubs. I said, mm-hmm. we can elect directors who uh, will commit to keeping the rates low. But again, that creates an entirely different issue because how do you, you know, then you have to keep the rates low, but how do you provide the same services and the same product? So there's a lot of issues with that as well. But again, you know, utility companies have way too much power here. And we were talking also in the car right here about uh, something that was coming out with Ron DeSantis about him oh, right. selling access, uh, basically $25,000 to golf with Ron DeSantis. And this is something we were talking about because it's very common in politics. It is. You know, when people think about big donors and special interest buying politicians, it's not as cut and dry dry as I'm going to give you money, you're going to do this. It's right. not it's not as, as shady as everyone makes it seem seem to be. It's but not as direct. It's not as direct. Let it's me, absolutely yeah, shady. Yeah, that's fair. It is 100% shady. No, 100% shady. You're, I, I, I resent that statement. But yes, it's not as direct as, it's not an, a very open quid pro quo. Right. But what it is, is what they're purchasing is access. Sure individual time, one-on-one time to have the ability to speak to the candidate directly and influence them directly. And so it's very interesting because Ron DeSantis is running as a populist candidate, but he's doing all these things that, you know, basically like Nancy Pelosi and wealthy Democrats do. And Donald Trump does it too. You know, Donald Trump does those like special dinners, win a dinner with Donald Trump competitions. So they all do it. But I thought it was interesting that it's being brought up specifically for Ron DeSantis Hmm. when it's a very common thing. You know, there was talks even back during the Tea Party movement when Eric Cantor was having like $10,000 steak dinners for donors for his campaign. And that came out and it destroyed him. And then he lost his his primary election Mm -hmm. despite his strong conservative beliefs. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of horseshit. And, <laughs> uh, the thing that's interesting about it, okay, and if you've ever read Influence by Richard Cialdini, you should absolutely do it. It has been also known as Trump's Bible because it is all about influence. You don't even necessarily have to have that straight quid pro quo. Just the fact of somebody giving you money, especially those extremely high amounts of money, yeah. make you feel emotionally and psychologically indebted to that yeah. person. There's so, like an obligation. Yeah, it's an obligation. It's a social obligation. And so when something is related 
to them coming up, you're going to be favorable to them because yeah. you want to maintain that relationship. So a lot of times, and this is where unfortunately the, the limitations of our system come into play in order to pr produce, uh, prove some of this kind of corruption, there would have to be like, here's this money, you do this, get this. It never works like that. Yeah. It's always, oh yes, FPL you know, gave you this amount of money. And so every time FPL comes up on the legislative floor, you're going like, to be favorable to them, exactly. right? They don't even have to ask you is the point. And it's a very dangerous thing. It's one of the big reasons why progressive Democrats have been against having this level of dollars in politics. We've been against Citizens United yep. and are really interested in having campaign finance reform because when you do that, you take away the leverage yes. that all of these special interests get by simply giving. Mm -hmm. No, and this is something I 100% agree with you on. And we had a, a a mutual friend of ours, Jen Perriman. We've talked about her on the show before with her podcast. Um, that's one of her big issues uh, that she talks about is the amount of corporate influence in podcasts. Mm -hmm. And we've both been on her podcast as non-corporate members of our party, people mm -hmm. who are very much against corporate money and corporate interest in our, our political process. I'm a very big believer in campaign finance reform. And especially here in Florida, we have a lot of dark money, a oh, lot yeah. of, a lot of like muddy stuff that is all secret and that no one finds out about, you know, we have ca campaign campaigns that have like three, four or five different super PACs on them, mm -hmm. you know, work, working, working shady donations and then basically they can triple dip quadruple dip with their donors yeah and those those super PACs never have to disclose whom their donors mm -hmm. are and it can include corporations and though they can do parallel donations and i don't think they have a, a dollar limit on those donations. no there's no dollar limit yep. and there's no disclosure and so they can actually then give to other packs where there's donations but it comes through like it just says the name of the super PAC, mm -hmm. or they can run they can't do independent expenditures um um, that is coordinated with the campaign, but they, for instance, can run ads. Yeah. So you'll see like ads, if you see those never back down ads with Ron DeSantis, that's a super PAC. That was the super PAC that's advising him to defend Trump and go after Vivek. So uh, he has a super PAC. The Make America Great, Great Again super PAC okay. is Donald Trump's. Uh, SOS America is Francis Suarez's apparently. And then um, Tim Scott's is one that's very like optimistic i don't even remember but they all have their own they all of them have one of their their friends set up a super pack for them and then they'll run the ads and what a lot of these candidates will do because obviously they can't coordinate they'll just record a bunch of like like stock video of them talking to workers them in their family home eating dinner you know them doing different politician stuff mm -hmm. and they just put it out there and then super PACs can do whatever they want with it right so it's very interesting and shady how right. these super PACs work i've actually run a couple of them because they're just like so easy to make mm -hmm. you know so easy to set up mm -hmm. yeah i have one too yeah yeah i know you've been you've been apparently wor working with those i don't know what you've been doing because you've been keeping that close to the chest <laughs> that's fine that's fine i understand it's like it's like that moment in happy gilmore where he learns how to putt <laughs> it's like happy learn to putt <laughs> guess what the democrats learn how to play the pet game <laughs> so anyway watch out y'all no well it's definitely up i i keep telling my republicans that we can't we can't underestimate you i don't think we should underestimate you uh this go around or 2024 and everything so not that i don't think you guys will still win but i don't think we should like not fight if that makes it, you know, well, obviously okay, listen, I'm having a great time dragging everybody yep. when they do dumb shit, like make public comments about how if people can't afford their insurance, they should just move. Allegedly, apparently, you know, anyway, but been corroborated by several sources. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we you wanted to you told Jonathan Martin, will give us the tape and let us see. Well, you're the ones making the accusation. I feel like you guys should be the no, ones. He's, he's the candidate and has to clarify his statements. You're saying who are you saying it was corroborated by multiple people? There is that the exact quote that they say? Yeah, it was something along those lines. Oh, something along those lines. Something willing along to those hear, lines. To hear what was actually said. 
I really hope there's still a debate. I really want there to be a debate because I think that that needs to be addressed during that debate stage. I would love for there to be a debate. So we all, but we both want a debate. We, um, but we're not afraid. Yeah, we're not afraid. That's why we do this podcast. Some people are afraid. every single week. And, and when I talked to Jonathan, he was like telling me how this is what campaign advisors will tell Republicans. They'll tell them don't debate, don't Absolutely. give them the publicity. But you know what? I think it's cowardice, and I I don't really respect. Republicans who aren't willing to debate either each other or the other side. Yep. You know, if, they, if they're not willing to debate, they're not willing to hold themselves accountable. They're not willing to stand up for their positions. That it's just weakness and it's just cowardice. And it's definitely something something that I pay attention to. And obviously Republicans won't debate Democrats, but you do have Republicans who won't even debate their fellow Republicans mm -hmm. when running in a primary. Sure. And that's disappointing as well. You had that for the sheriff's race. Sher Sheriff Marcino would not de debate his opponent. Neither would Mike Scott. Uh, mm -hmm. You had that with Casey Asgar not showing yep, up to Casey a single freaking debate. Never did any publicity whatsoever. I know. I'm. I have. I am not. I am convinced he does not even exist. I think he was just a, a, a internet troll that was created. I don't even know, but the dude doesn't exist. He was never at anything. So he did like an interview with NBC too, oh. where he tried to prove that his um, his Harvard diploma thing was real. Oh, and then it turns out, because he, he would say it was like Harvard graduate, it was like what he would write on stuff, but he paid for like a like a online graduate or it's like online leadership certificate for business executives. Essentially, it's like a forty thousand dollar boondoggle for people who are executives or CEOs so that they can say they went to Harvard and get access to the Harvard alumni database. Oh my God. But there's no, it's not like there's coursework. It's like a couple of webinars and meet and greets and stuff like that. So, so he's basically a Harvard graduate in the sense that he got us a, a, a few month certificate from Harvard for like, a, I mean, he's kind of like a Harvard graduate in the same way that like, I'm a member of the chamber of commerce. <laughs> That's the same shit, like a little cheaper. It's like, you know, but it's like, oh, okay, so I get my membership and mm -hmm. then you give me the database and I can contact people. And then I yep. get to say, I'm a yep. It's like that. Yeah. He basically, bought, he basically bought a Harvard degree. <laughs> he, yeah. He bought a Harvard degree and he bought the Harvard alumni database because actually um, a lot of research has gone into like the value of higher education versus public education versus Ivy League education. And one of the biggest value adds of going to an Ivy League school like Harvard is the network. And so actually buying into the Harvard alumni database allows people with companies, they're looking for investors, blah, 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 to buy into that. They get their contact information and then they also can be like, hey, buddy, I'm from Harvard too. And oh have a connection and they're more likely to invest in their company. That is that is embarrassing. Yeah. That is embarrassing. Way to cheapen the Harvard brand with that. Like seriously. And Kathy, no, it is not an honorary degree. It is clearly a dishonorary degree. It's it's just it's just a, a purchase, frankly. I bought a Har I bought my degree at Harvard Law. He did. Well, and it's like he, cause he was talking about it and then he, they like in his interview and then he showed it on the wall and like, I, so I quickly looked it up. Like I goes like, here's the program and it is. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so super fun. But yeah, like it's, you know, and actually listen, if there wasn't the, uh, the Ted Cruz consultant, uh, Ted Cruz consultant text on what? the last day of the primary, oh, yeah, for Casey Asgar would have been the winner. I think it would have been Dane Eagle. It probably if if could have been well Dane yeah it was Dane Dane was in second place with like it was, it was really like what seventy different yeah enough that he could have easily called a recount you know he could have but were, then he got a, a phone call from Ronnie Deer and said, yeah. hey how would you like to be head of the DEO and he said I'm in click <laughs> step down yeah. he's better he's better in like state administration anyway because that's that's where he you know got his start as as Charlie Chris's lap dog. Super special advice. <laughs> yes. And now, and I'm still shocked that that I never all that like bureaucracy though. I don't know. Well <laughs> that's bureaucracy. Right. Anyway. 
But no, actually, I, I still find it interesting that that didn't, that that relationship was Charlie Chris didn't damage him enough. I was actually with him when he ran when he won with the whole Eagle family. I, I was uh, at the years ago very good friends with uh, Kathy Eagle, Mama Eagle, as I, I would call her, and then the rest of the Eagle family. I know his sister, including his dad who went to prison. I did not know his dad. Prison? No, I actually did not. Including meet his, his dad. I did not. I did not, I did not meet Papa. He Eagle. was in. Yes, I do know. For I real know. estate fraud at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get anyway. to meet him at the time. No, I didn't know about that though. But I, I, and when I was, I was actually talking with Kathy when he won, and um, she got a text from Charlie Crist congratulating him. And remember, this is at this time Charlie Crist is is he became a Democrat. He had become a Democrat. So they yeah, because he ran for Congress that mm. that cycle. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, mm-hmm. he was running for Congress that cycle. And actually, Dane Eagle's sister <laughs> got appointed to county commission. She's appointed to county commission, and, and then she's ran. Running, yep. She's running for state representative. It, but it's not here. It's up in the no Panhandle. Gainesville. No Gainesville. She's Gainesville. running. She's running in the UF area. So she's running in Gainesville. She was. She was appointed a Alachua county commissioner, and okay. now she's running for state rep. So. County commission, which I don't know if if they pay a six figure salary at Alachua like they do here at Lee County. They do in Alachua. Here in Lee County, it's like a six figure salary if you're elected county commissioner. It's only like thirty thousand, forty thousand if you're a state rep. So, which is really weird that Brian Hammond thought that he needed two jobs. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, that was a conflict of interest issues as well. But (laughs) yeah else for this week i think we're good i think I, good I'm yeah. we're global warming, global warming. <laughs> beer global beering yeah. um global beering oh because i had a beer no, go. <laughs> so and thank you so much for joining us here today i've been your democratic host dr cindy banier of course your republican host sean hartman and of course thank you to ollie's as always uh for al- uh, always being wonderful hosts and allowing us to come and drink their their drinks and and uh, get delicious food, even though you didn't have enough for a brownie Sunday for yeah, me. Yeah, my daughter got a brownie Sunday. Yeah, but apparently was- only one of us could, and I guess it hurt you. Know. <laughs> sandwiches and great live shows coming up, so go ahead and check them out. Follow them online. Thanks to our host, Ollie's Pub here in Cape Coral. And if you want to help keep Sean and I in business, go ahead and get <laughs> yourself a subscription to this show, A Democrat and Republican Walk into a Bar for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. That helps us keep going. Or you can get a subscription to everything we have at Big Mouth Media for $19.99 a month, and that helps to support independent media, mm. and you can find all about that on BigMouthMediaFL.com under our plans and pricing tab. In the meanwhile, because what you get with that, you get your videos, you get them directly emailed to your inbox. But if you like to listen to your podcast and like the audio only, you can go ahead and tune in to us wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. We are on all of those. Subscribe to our shows there. Like and give us a review because that's another way that you can, for $0, help independent media. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Thank you for uh, watching us today, and we will see you next week. And bye-bye.